Tony Pernelli is a self-storage investor for Pennsylvania who got his start investing in multifamily and flips. In this week's episode, you'll hear how he self-managed over 100 residential doors while holding down a full-time job and why that experience pushed him into investing in self-storage facilities. In just two years, Tony has built a portfolio of six facilities and counting in several locations in the South. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. And this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Tony Pernelli, welcome to the road to family freedom. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's nice to make your acquaintance. Um, so before we get into talking about storage, uh, you started off doing multifamily and flips. Do you recall uh, an exact moment where you decided to shift strategies into storage? Well, there was lots of exact moments. I, I know uh, several years ago when I was still actually working a, a W-2 job, uh, I was working 50, 60 plus hours a week and then managing and doing all the rentals myself. And I think at that point we had close to 100 doors and uh, I was just burnt out. I, you know, I, I, I kind of came home and, and laid my head on the table and said, they're going to be, they're going to be a better way. And, um, you know, started talking to some of the people I network with and, um, uh, you know, they kind of turned me on to self-storage business and, and, and who to talk to in the industry and who's, you know, what they were talking about and, and uh, kind of got mentored and uh, realized it was not, too difficult of a business. Um, I always anticipated it was just kind of steel corrugated buildings. I never really got the financials behind it. I couldn't understand why people paid so much money for these steel buildings. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of got an education and I've been loving it ever since. Gotcha. So you were, you had gotten up to a hundred residential doors. Is that correct? Yeah. I think 104 is where I ended at. Wow. Uh, were yeah. there, was it uh, all multifamily or some single family homes in there? Majority multi, uh, some singles well, but majority of multi and a couple of larger buildings in that portfolio. Gotcha. And what, I mean, you, you were working a W-2 job. You said you were working 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. Um, were you also having, were you self-managing or did you have, uh, were you, did at, you have a property manager? At, at that time I was self-managing. Um, I was not doing any repairs or maintenance myself. I, you know, I, I had that all subbed out, but at the time I was self-managing. Uh, so I was, I was pretty burnt. Yeah. You're a glutton, <laughs> you're a, you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know many people. I don't know many landlords that try and hold down a full-time job and manage that many units. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I would advise against it. So <laughs> yeah. experience has taught me not to do that again. Yeah. It's, um, 
you know, the average, so many people talk about, you know, they sort of go, if they've discovered real estate in the last 10 years, they probably kind of go with the, um, the Brandon Turner model, you know, sort of the, he calls it the stack where, you know, you buy a single family home and then you buy two and then you maybe buy a fourplex and an eightplex and you keep scaling, you know, sort of doubling and learning as you go. But what, what you found out is that unless it's self-sustaining, unless you can bring on a property manager, it doesn't really scale all that well. Correct. It it doesn't. Uh, And there was points that, you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, I should have grew the business differently. I should have from, from property one, uh, you know, factored in management and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's kind of a lone ranger and, and I kind of thought that's how you did it and, and you can do it, but it's not what I would consider a business. It's more of a, just another job or multiple jobs actually. Yeah. So what about storage did um, really stood out to you as different that made you want to switch over? I think when you do single family rentals, the biggest, one of the biggest or several issues are a lot of mechanical systems are in place. And you also deal with people, not that you don't deal with people in self storage, you do, but you deal with them at a different level. You know, you're dealing with their home and, um, you a little bit more at their beck and call where self-storage mechanical systems for the most part go away. Even if you have climatized storage, you know, you have um, heating and cooling, you don't have plumbing systems, you don't have, you know, drywall, you don't have windows, you don't have roofs that, I mean, you have roofs, but not like, you know, not uh, multifamilies, you know, there's always a leaky roof. There's always, there's always, always water running somewhere. Um, and uh, it's just lots of pieces in that puzzle where I think self-storage is it's a pretty simplistic building. It's metal, it's concrete. Um, and, you know, for the most part, it doesn't require a ton of um, upkeep. To, you know, the, the buildings are built to be, you know, 25, 50 years without really doing anything major with them. Gotcha. Well, and you mentioned also in you know, one of the big things, the big differences is just tenant laws versus lien laws. I mean, you, uh, it varies by state, but in general, uh, it's a lot harder to get somebody who is, you know, a problem tenant out of your, your residential property than it is to get someone out of your storage property. It's basically just, you've stopped paying. I'm going to put an overlock. I'm going to turn off your code so you can't get in. And, and we're going to wait until, you, you know, 90 days or so. And if you haven't paid, then we auction your stuff. Sorry. Uh, and yeah, and certain states have even gotten to the point where um, you don't have to do certified mail. You can just simply notify by email, which is awesome um, because that's yeah, another, not that it's a huge deal, but that's another thing you have to do in order to do it correctly. But it's a night and day difference between self-storage and, and residential uh, rentals as far as if you do have issues with people. Um you know, it's not that big of a deal to, to get your unit back in, you said, 30, 60, 90 days. Gotcha. Well, do you want to tell us about the first storage facility that you invested in? Yeah, so the, the very first facility I bought, um, it, it, investor friend of mine, um, he told me about it. And uh, up at that point, I didn't really know what to do when I called on owners. And um, I called this owner. And he was very proud to tell me that he was 90% occupied. He was the cheapest guy in town. And um, he wore that like a badge of honor, which majority of mom and pops do. And that's 
nothing a matter with that. He, the guy ran a, ran a solid business. I'm not knocking him, but he wasn't running it like he wasn't maximizing it as a business. And um, in the self storage world, valuation is basically driven by income. And you know, by being the cheapest guy in town, he left a lot of money on the table. So it was a pretty straightforward process to to buy the facility. Made some minor site improvements, but basically uh, economic improvements. All we had to do as far as raising street rates up, and then six months to a year into it, um, raising tenants uh, to get them closer to that street rate. Gotcha. Um, and would you mind us asking you what exactly what the value of it was when you bought it? So I personally paid three oh five, I believe, for three hundred five thousand for the property. And uh, just two weeks ago, it was, it was one of the properties I got evaluated, and uh, pretty confident right now it's anywhere between a six twenty five and a seven hundred thousand dollar property. And I've owned a property for I don't think quite two years right now. Gotcha. So that's the other thing um, that I love about the self storage business: uh, residential rentals. You definitely get some equity at the end, but uh, I've never picked up two hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars in in a span of. 18 to 24 months. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to be a pretty uh, high end house flipper in order to be able to do that. <laughs> and then you're also at the mercy of, you know, the, the market is just not, you know, the, the residential market could soften, um, you know, an appraisal could come in low, you know, you just never know. Whereas with storage is pretty much, it's cut and dry, mostly cut and dry. It's yeah. like, Hey, we increase the income. Uh, you know, here's, we increased the income, we lowered the expenses. We, we've got a better net operating income there, you know, divided by the cap rate and, you know, there's your valuation in general. Um, yeah. and that's, it's one of the things that we love about commercial real estate, but especially self-storage as well. So yeah, typically any thousand, any thousand dollars of income you can show, whether it's through, um, just actual income or, 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 or cost reduction is pretty much a $10,000 valuation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you raise rents, if you, you know, uh, save on utilities, put systems in place, it doesn't take too long to get twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year out of a facility. And, you yeah. know, it's two, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, on that one, did you pay cash for that or did you get a loan? Uh, on this particular facility, I got a um, loan through a, a local business bank that I deal with a lot. Um, they've done a lot of business with me. Uh, I think up until that point, they didn't even have self-storage um, in any of their, they didn't loan on, not that they didn't loan on self-storage, but they didn't have any, uh, any, they weren't, they had not, nobody in their portfolio that were self-storage people. So I, ca I called my business banker up and, um, you know, showed them the financials and uh, you see, yeah, that's not a problem. Now they're to, the, they're to the point, just like me, they're addicted to them where they call me and say, <laughs> let us know when you have any more self storage deals, because, you know, they don't take too many of the facilities back. It's not like a, a, a standard rental portfolio or investment property where, you know, they might have some foreclosures and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's a pretty stable asset. Yeah, no, we, uh, my partner in North Carolina has had, you know, banks approach him and, and offer pretty substantial lines of credit to purchase storage for him. I mean, to the point where he's like, I don't, he's like, I'm, this is a whole nother ball game, you know, and it's really, uh, it really is wonderful. You can find a good lender, uh, that likes storage. Um, they they'll be hungry for it. So, yes. So, um, so that was two years ago. That was your first. Okay. So how much did you have to bring 25% down? 
I actually believe, um, I, like I said, I did a lot of other business with this bank so that I had a track record. Um, I think I got in a property for 80, um, they loaned 80% of value. Um, and I probably differ from some other investors. I really try to be a little bit more cash intensive in my investments. Um, you know, whether it makes math sense to use banks leverage, um, I don't like to be leveraged out too far. So I typically bring a fair amount of money to the table. Um, and I am a lot more comfortable in investments when I do that. Not that they are going to perform, but uh, I think it kind of gives me some breathing room and enables me to have some more freedom in my life where I don't have a, um, you know, the, the BRRR method, uh, what I, that's what they call it now, I guess. When I was doing it, they didn't call it that, but now it's the, the BRRR method. Yep. <laughs> BRRR method. Um, you know, it wants you to use the banks, which d- does make sense. But at the end of the day, I think you're really just moving a lot of money around where you're, you know, yes, you're getting rental income, but then it goes out. And so I like to be in a cash position where I have a lot of options. Uh, if I do need to exit property, I have options. Um, it makes me more month- monthly income and uh, I just feel better about it. So, you know, that, that's everybody's personality, whatever they feel comfortable with, but yeah. uh, that's what I like to do. Well, you know, a big, a big factor to consider for anybody when they're getting into any kind of investment is, it's like, Hey, you've got a great return, but you're not sleeping at night. Uh, that's yes. not such a great return, you know, yes. in my book. So, um, so, um, have there been any, so that's, that was two years ago and you're now you, when we talked beforehand, you said you're, at six facilities and you may be, you may have a seventh soon. Correct. Um, yeah. How did you, what size, what's the average size facility and, and how did you go about scaling like that? Majority of the facilities I buy are in the probably 15,000 square foot range. Um, and scalability is, is another nice thing. What I really like about this business. Um, there's lots of systems already in place, you know, software. Um, there's lots of, other tools that want you to be success in this business. And it doesn't really cost a whole lot of money to bring on a good software program, good management company. Um, and that enables you to scale pretty quickly. I can also say the, the only reason why um, I'm scaling at the pace I am is basically because I have a comfort level. Um, if I really wanted to be crazy, I could probably scale it even more. Um, you know, it's self storage is a hot market right now. But I think there's oodles of opportunities out there if you you know do some marketing to to, to buy the undervalued properties like I like to buy. Gotcha. Um, and how are what's what's a typical marketing campaign for you uh, look like for you to storage owners? So uh, majority of I do uh, a direct mail campaigns probably every. It really depends on my capacity if I want to evaluate deals or not. But uh, it's been about every three months I put out a mailing campaign and and. All I really simply do is I basically just facilities I own already. I do a two hour radius from that facility. Um, one of my criteria is for facilities I own that are out of state is I want to be within one hour drive of a pretty decent airport. I, I don't want to have to jump planes all day long to get to my facility. So um, that's another criteria I use to, you know, if an airport I can get pretty much direct um, out of Pittsburgh um, that's a, that's an area I want to market to, cause it's not a huge deal to, uh, you know, you can evaluate these things 
really just based on financials or some information from the owner. If it's a, if it's a deal I want to go do, it's not a big deal for me to get on a plane, spend a day, get back on a plane. Sometimes not, sometimes I'll even do it an overnight and I'm back home. Um, and even when it comes to turning the facilities around, I try to line up as much as I can before I even go down to the facility. So, you know, the last facility I bought, I, I was on site for two days, um, you know, two nights in a hotel realistically, I probably could have just did it overnight and been back home. But, you know, I, I wanted to hold my baby a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I spent an extra day basically just uh, BSing to the contractors on site when I probably could have just been back home. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you, um, are you follow, are you just sending out direct mail or are you following up with phone calls, uh, cold calls and like that? I do cold call. Uh, I'm a bit of a self-storage nerd. Anytime I go on road trips, my wife doesn't like to be a passenger anymore <laughs> because I said, Oh man, look at that. You know, write that number down. Let's call on that one. And, uh, so I get, I get yelled at sometimes we go on long road trips. Uh, but, uh, a lot of cold calling, uh, and there's several facilities that I cold call or even just stopping to visit quite regularly that they know me by first name basis. And, we've already kind of established a relationship where, you know, they've, they are on their exit out of the property, whether they want to retire or sell the property. So I try to always be in their head. So when they finally do get the bug to sell that hopefully they pick up the phone and call me. Yeah. No, that's a huge part of it. It's just literally just being top of mind when, when the decision to sell does finally, you know, get to a point where like, all right, I'm done. So, yeah. Do so, you have a question? Not about you, this. No, go ahead. <laughs> Can I move on to another subject? Yes, you, you can. Go no, go for it. <laughs> Pardon us. No problem. Um, all right. So you went from a kind of a business with your single family, uh, multifamily homes that are um, more frustrating to theoretically a simpler investment model. Have you found anything that has been frustrating for you? Something unexpected maybe? I think the and this is, you know, compared to the residential rental world, this is like not even an issue, but uh, the biggest issues from a um, operation standpoint I have is gate systems. And um, for the most part, as long as my gate systems are working, my life's pretty good. But, you know, <laughs> I got a phone call, I think it was last, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, you know, I can't, you know, can't get in it. So, you know, that's a 24 hour cycle to get the gate fixed, which isn't a huge deal. And um, being that I manage these from a, from afar, uh, knock wood, I have pretty good uh, boots on the ground that, that do a good job for me. But sometimes communication can be a struggle. Um, you know, just uh, a real quick example. I was on a phone yesterday with a uh, excavator it, it from Mississippi and the kind of stone they use down here, down there, I never heard of. So we kind of had this, you know, back and forth about technical. We were talking about rocks for 20 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds pretty inconsequential, but uh, we hashed it out. And I figured what kind of rock I need to use. So, <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. Was this for uh, building more units or doing like gravel or what? It's for a facility that I'm closing on here this week. Um, I want, I basically, um, half of the facility is concrete. And the other half is, I'm assuming it must've been an addition and uh, it's on gravel and it needs some help. It needs regraded and cleaned up. And uh, so we got to, you know, excavate it and regrade it and put down a good base and then 
I'm not going to concrete it right away, but I want to prep. So when I do, I don't have to do any more excavating. We can, you know, put a gravel base in and then, um, in a year or two, um, probably go ahead and, and pave or concrete the surface. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so when you, um, you mentioned a gate system, is there are, uh, I know that there's, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, um, software and things like that. Are you using the same systems across your total, your whole portfolio? I am. So all my facilities are tied into a cloud system and, you know, the cloud system ties directly into my software. So uh, people that aren't paying, you know, it'll lock them out of the facility and um, the system's awesome. And for the most part, it works. It's pretty robust, but you know, if you have a, if your internet's down, it's not working. Uh, majority of time is some sort of simple mechanical gate failure not even mechanical. I should say it's, it's, um, sensor type system that either, you know, somebody knocked it off or something like that. And it's, um, pretty simple stuff to fix. It's just, um, it's aggravating. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but it is. I don't yeah. know. Are you now with the, the facilities that are remote from you, are you able to pretty quickly get boots on the ground to go out there and fix things? For the most part? Yes, I am. Um, everyone, everywhere where I have a facility, you know, the gate companies in my contacts. So if I'm out somewhere, you know, it's, okay, gate's not working, you know, call gate company. Normally within, I don't know, four to six hour window, they're on site and it's getting fixed. So once again, a lot of bigger issues in, in <laughs> life, but uh, it, it's a little gnat that gets me. <laughs> yeah. What management system do you use? I use easy storage solutions on all my uh, facilities. I've been happy with them. Um, I know there's lots of other ones. And um, I've never investigated any of them, mainly because the people I network with, they use easy, sto- easy storage. They're happy with easy storage. I'm happy with easy storage. So yeah. it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Correct. Someone else talked about it. Another investor that we talked yeah. to. So Yeah. Um, and then is there a specific gate? Is that tied into the gate system or is there a, um, is there yeah, a specific so, gate system you're using? Correct. So the gate system, um, it's a cloud they call it, it's a cloud that ties into the gate. So essentially every one of my facilities has an internet connection um, that, you know, has a, uh, a router and that ties into the gate brain. I, I, I don't know what the <laughs> yeah. technical term is. Yeah. I'll call it a brain yeah. that, you know, talks to my software and say, Hey, this, this guy hasn't paid. Let's lock him out. Uh, or, you know, somebody rented a unit online, they established their own gate code. We're going to let them in. And, um, you know, pretty simple system. Um, and only really two components go wrong with that. Typically, if you have internet, it works, it works. And if you have power, it works. And if you don't have either one of those, then it's offline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and are you, do you, do you sometimes get calls from customers who are like, Hey, I'm at the gate. That's not working. You know, I never get a call from a customer. So <laughs> my software company gets a call from the customer. And, and if it's a true emergency, um, they will text me or call me. Um, and then I know, Hey, you know, I got to do something where they just call the gate company and stuff. Um, as far as systems being in place, I probably need to even pull myself out of that role and probably just have a system in place to, Hey, if this happens, call, you know, uh, ABC gate company, talk to, you know, Joe yeah. and get it done. So uh, that's probably a poor on my part 
And I've been kind of in acquisition mode and in love and life. So I probably need to step back and be a little bit more of a business owner and establish that system. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. That's a great segue to into my next question. What kinds of systems, processes, or, or help would you need to put in place in order to go off the grid? Like no phone, no email for like four to eight weeks. I think it would be fairly in, in the self-storage, it would be fairly simplistic where I just need to establish better guidelines, uh, almost a flow chart that, hey, if the gate, it doesn't working, you know, here's the steps. Um, I have an office manager that does a lot for me and uh, I could hand that off to her as well. And, and, and it could go to her email and her phone. It really wouldn't be an issue with me. Uh, I tend to sometimes probably, and I think maybe all entrepreneurs are a little bit guilty of this. When I'm hands off, I feel like things aren't working right. And um, nobody, nobody can <laughs> know do better than you. Uh, business mindset, but uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I haven't got a call in a while. Maybe something's not going right. <laughs> yeah. the checks, but the checks are still coming in. So <laughs> checks are coming in. So uh, yeah, life's good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, knowledge. Yeah. Or did you have just let me know. What? If you just let me flow. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon we're, us. We're having some moments. We're in a mood. Domestics, I know. <laughs> Love you. Love you. <laughs> um, no. Um, so is there something that you feel like you had to learn to really make storage work for you? I think the biggest thing that I probably, I really have to buckle down with is evaluation of a property up front. I do it. I tend not to be a very good Excel spreadsheet kind of guy. I do it and it pains me to do it, but it's probably a weakness I have where I'll, I will talk to an owner and I'm and my investor brain always says, yeah, this is a good one. And I keep putting off the evaluation for a day for two. Then I finally like buckle down and, you know, get my spreadsheet out and do it. And I proved myself it's a good one. And then I progress. So I, I think for me and, and everybody has their, strength and weaknesses, but, uh, you put me in front of an Excel or a Google spreadsheet. Um, uh, I'm not loving life. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, sounds like you might need one of your next hires needs to be an analyst. Well, I, I, I'm married to one and I'm trying to convince her to, uh, she's a Google guru. She actually teaches and, uh, I'm I'm, I'm slowly convincing her to become my, uh, back office. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've been fighting the same battle and it's, uh, it's, um, it's tough as well. So hey, it is, I'm getting stink eye right now. Right? I'm here. <laughs> I am interviewing with you. Yeah. I'm not homeschooling our six year old. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, talking to my wife now about this. Well, probably six months. So she said, email me what your requirements are. So I emailed her big thing and it's basically like a job interview. It's kind of funny. That's, <laughs> that's how we worked. Yeah. So she, yeah. she knows what my criteria is because yeah. I'm probably not the best at uh, throwing out my expectations. I just kind of assume stuff and yeah. Yeah. doesn't that's, always work real well. I've, I think I've told him if he creates the system, I would put the numbers into it, but I don't have the, the knowledge, um, you know, sort of my, my job on this podcast is a little bit to sometimes act it, but to, to be the person who's kind of more like the audience because I'm still learning. I don't have the 
mentorships that he's had, those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I could not go and be like, let me evaluate this storage unit. Like I need something and then I will put the numbers in. But yeah, and I understand that. And, and I know as an investor entrepreneur, I take tons of things for granted that I don't understand why people don't pick up. And, um, you know, you need to, you need to lay the groundwork down. Yeah. I'm not the best at doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good process. I mean, we've talked to plenty of people who, who will use, um, you know, virtual assistants to do some of this type of work where it's just, you know, kind of data entry. Um, Correct. It is. It, it's data entry and all I really need to see the results. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, at some point, if you, if you got your wife to do it and then she didn't want to do it anymore, you, if you've got the process, you can hand that off to someone. And that's kind of where I'm, I feel like for us, I would love to go. I will, I will help, but eventually if we can outsource that, then we yeah. both have that freedom that we're looking for rather than having to. Now, and that's very smart. And it's probably a very simple task that a VA can do. Um, I've had, uh, I know one of your questions, <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to go down a, a, a rabbit hole here. Well, but we like rabbit holes. I've had, I've had mixed results with VAs and it's probably, really it's all my fault because I have a hard time putting my expectations in writing. Mm. Um, but VA would be very capable of doing that. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, let me give you a tip um, that we, we learned recently from an outsourcing expert named Neil Bawa. Um, and there's a software called Loom, L-O-O-M. And it allows you to record your screen um, very easily, and then very easily share that. And one of the things that Neil does that I love is he's like, I don't write down SOPs. He's like, I record a video of myself doing it. I, I hand it off to my virtual assistant and I say, here, learn how to do this. And oh, by the way, write the SOP that will let somebody else do it as well. And so they write the SOP. <laughs> uh, and then he just evaluates, you know, evaluates their progress when they do it. And, um, because that, yeah, I, I absolutely hear you. I've worked with VAs in the past where it's been like, why is this not working? This yeah. this guy sucks. And then I realized, yeah. Well, yeah no, I, you suck. Yeah, I sucked. <laughs> I sucked. Yeah, ultimately, we're always pointing a finger at ourselves. Yeah. 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 So, so. <laughs> we, we put that, that interview was out. So we actually, I don't know what episode number it is, but if you look for Neil Bawa okay. and you want to listen to that interview, it's really interesting. He's super, like, even when we, when we were like, Hey, the, we emailed him the episodes out. And then he like replied, uh, like copied us on his reply of him sending it to his virtual assistant and just going like full social media package. And like, you know, that's all he did was yeah. just bing. awesome. <laughs> yep. Five word email done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's uh, something to aspire to. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. So you obviously, you know, you're not so good at, at, taking yourself out of your business so much these days, how much time would you say uh, that you spend on storage these days? And what's, what's your biggest. Time what's, what's your uh, biggest I would say time? on storage, I probably spend four to six hours a week on it. Um, and majority of that is probably dedicated to acquisitions. Um, in reality, I'm probably not spending more than an hour as far as the um, managing of them. You know, probably a few phone calls. And, uh, in, in that number might change a little bit as, as far as where I'm at in the acquisition process, you know, you know, I supposed to close on one this week. Um, you know, I'll be on the phone a, a fair amount more probably for the first, you know, two to four weeks and then it, it's going to taper off. Gotcha. So, but on average four to six hours a week. 
So even though I'm not taking myself out of business, I'm not still working that much. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then, um, are you typically going all direct to owners? Are you getting any of these from brokers or wholesalers or anything like that? Is it all just direct negotiation with the owners? Majority of them direct to owners. Um, I, the, my last, my latest purchase, um, I found it listed on a, um, on a, uh, commercial real estate listing site. And it's one of the things is very important to action. I happen to be sitting in, in front of my laptop and, you know, start looking for some deals. And, um, this, this property came up and it was said, um, Columbus MS and being the genius I am, I thought MS meant Missouri. I'm like, I don't really want to own anything Missouri. I don't have anything there. I'm like, well, I'm going to call the guy just to see. And I said, Hey, I'm calling about your facility in Columbus, Missouri. He said, I don't have anything in Missouri. He said, I have one in Mississippi. <laughs> I'm like, That's pretty awesome. Cause I have one already in Mississippi. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and when I called him just happened, I think maybe a day before the deal, the deal that he had under contract fell apart. So the owner was desperate to sell and it just, it worked out. Um, but it all started with a phone call. So. Gotcha. Do you have any sort of, um, criteria? You said you mentioned a criteria of being at least an, you know, not more than an hour away from major airport, you know, that you can easily get to, uh, do you have any other sort of market criteria that you're, you know, you sort of like, well, where you'll look at a market and say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going into that market. I think as long as the demand is met um, and, you know, we can go on a tangent, talk about numbers, but you know, the industry basically states that seven square foot per person is a demand. And, and I've heard that number swayed anywhere up to, I've heard six, I've heard eight, I've heard up to 12, 14, depending on if you're in the metro area. Uh, I always just use seven. It's an easy number for me. So uh, if it meets the criteria of being within an hour of a major airport, I do do a, a very quick um, population search and also look for other self-storage within a you know, one, three, and five-mile radius. And if the uh, demand is there, I'm going to be a buyer. Gotcha. Do you ever um, do you stay away from cities where the population, there's no population growth or negative growth or you don't really care. That's a good question. Uh, the short answer is no. However, there was a facility recently that uh, I entertained buying, and it's one of the reasons I walked away. Um, I could fill it up all day long. Um, a couple of reasons I walked away. It wasn't in an area I was doing business, so it was going to not kind of scale real, real, real weight, real, for, you know the way I wanted to, you know, cause I had to take another airplane to get there. And I, so that was kind of one major no. And then the, the, um, the economic market in, in this area was poor and, you know, you could tell every year it was kind of descending, you know, it was a, like a paper mill, cotton mill kind of town. They were all shut down. It was a little bit depressed. Um, but in saying that that facility would have worked, I'm not, I'm not saying that it, somebody shouldn't buy it. It would have worked. Uh, there's plenty of demand there. Um, but, it, it was just a no for me. Gotcha. gotcha. Do you have anything to add? Nope. No. Well, well, Tony Pernelli, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was really great uh, getting to meet you. I hope at some point in the near future when humans are allowed to interact again that uh, <laughs> we can we can meet face-to-face -face at a self-storage uh, get-together. Uh, if okay. any of our listeners want to find out more about you or maybe reach out, what would be the best way for them to do that? 
Well, I, I, I don't do a whole lot of, uh, I, I'm on Facebook. Um, I, I don't do really any social media at all. So I'm probably a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> I, I really like to be, um, travel and not be tied to my twi- Facebook or, or Twitter feed. Uh, but I am on Facebook. If somebody wants to friend me, that's great. And, uh, you can see some of the stuff I do. Um, but that's, that's really the only connection I have. <laughs> Okay. All right. So we'll put, we're going to put your Facebook, uh, uh, your Facebook link to your profile in the show notes. So prepare. That, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. It was great meeting you. All right. Thank you. Okay. That was Tony Pernelli from Vision Real Estate. You can check him out on Facebook. We will put the link to his profile in the show notes and you can stalk him if you want. <laughs> don't Never. be creepy. Yeah. Don't be creepy. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Did you have a key lesson learned from this episode? I would say um, that to remember when you're dealing with residential real estate, there's a lot, there's two, two main factors you're dealing with. One is mechanical systems and people. Um, now that doesn't mean that there aren't people involved in self-storage because people are storing their stuff, but people are a lot more in your face when it comes to the space that they're living in. Um, yeah. And there's always... There's always water flowing. There's always a roof. There's always something when it comes to residential real estate. Yeah, yeah. There's less things can, that can go that tend to go wrong in storage. Yep. The exception of the the gates sounds yes. like it's the the weak link. Yes. In uh, in that realm, but gotcha. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. So. <laughs> oh, I do have a. Okay. A, a, a lesson learned. Um, we are on it today. On our, on our game today. Yeah. All right. Um, knowledge. Knowledge. Um, he he talked about, and it sounded like this was kind of still an ongoing lesson for him, that um, he that it, the importance of evaluation and not just like in your brain or your real Using estate your gut. gut, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that having to actually put that down on paper and make sure that you're the numbers that you're kind of going off of in your head are, are actually viable. Um, so that's, um, you know, that's a, a big important piece. Yeah. Well, and I would say, um, you know, especially if you're an experienced real, real estate investor, they can, they've had so many deals that they've evaluated that have gone well, that they can kind of look at a deal and go, yep, that, that one's going to work, and then not sit down and actually do the valuation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it, you really, even if you got your gut feel, that's great for when, letting you know when you should proceed to really analyze a deal. Yeah. yeah you so, still need but you to should do still your, do the analyst analysis. Do your due diligence. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how much money did it take him uh, to get started? About. I don't remember what you said. $75,000. Okay. 20% down on $305,000. Yes. However much that is. Yeah. Brittany gotcha. doesn't do math in her head. <laughs> actually, no, that was wrong. Did he say 20% down? So I'm wrong. Uh, actually, it's closer to $61,000. Okay. Off because I'm yeah. only 20%. I, was, yeah. I did 25%. Math in public. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are on it today. Uh, so how much time uh, does he spend on his real estate endeavors now that it's up and running? Uh, four to six hours on yeah. between acquisition and he said like an hour on management. Yeah. And um, it sounds like that could probably be reduced or completely yep. um, removed yep. if he outsourced a little bit more, put those that on his management. Yeah. 
And is this a strategy he could do from anywhere in the world? Yes. Yes. Again, it's um, outsourcing and he does, you know, he, he um, invests uh, from a distance. He, he has mostly, I mean, like, like we said, if he's not doing acquisition, he's maybe spending an hour a week. So if he just outsourced that, um, and we talked a lot about that and how important it can be. Um, so it's definitely a very doable investment um, strategy if you want to travel yep. or not be super involved in your gotcha. investment. Gotcha. So. Okay. Once again, that was Tony Pernelli from Vision Real Estate. Uh, we will have a link to where you can contact him in the show notes. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels. Shut up, Alexa. Thank you, Alexa. Cancel. Alexa. Alexa. Amazon. Echo. What is your name? It's done. Is there a blooper reel on the end of our episodes? We need a blooper reel. Um, you were, I don't you were... remember what my lesson learned is. Can we just, let's just move on. Okay. Lesson so, learned. Uh, Put the red light on her when doing an interview. <laughs> okay. Um,